0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Raw Reflections, the podcast where I deep dive into conversations with inspiring humans about what we need for businesses and people to thrive together. Today, I am so excited to have Robin Colin uh, in the studio, Um, an extremely talented and inspiring person that I have had uh, so uh, and been so lucky to cross paths with the last couple of years. He describes his work as doing developmental conversations with individuals and groups, with a focus uh, in the areas of leadership and general life fulfillment. He is uh, doing his work through coaching, mentoring, training, and facilitation with leaders, teams, and groups around the world. And I'm so happy to have you in, have you here, Robin, and uh, welcome.
1: Thanks, Odedka. It's a real pleasure to be here with you.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's. this is a different conversation than what we usually have.
1: It is very different. And I'm giving myself permission to take that different place, right?
0: Mm. And I think we met approximately, I, I would say, one and a half to two years ago uh, when I was starting uh, my coaching training. And you were one of my trainers and facilitators at that point mm. back in time.
1: Mm-hmm. and. I think it was summer, summer two years ago.
0: Yeah. And and for me, you have been one of those people that just makes an impact, that makes me reflect a little bit deeper and, and always gets me a little bit curious in a different way than with other people I meet, which is why I also invited you here.
1: Thanks. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's really wonderful to hear that. Um, you know, as I as I get older mature and mature and reflect on my work and what I do and why and all of that, you know, it is helpful to try to put some words to it, to try and understand oneself and what you do without holding on too tightly. And what you just described, really, that is, it's enough. It's, it's certainly enough for me because it feels so darn purposeful. And mm. I'm sure we'll get into this. I'm sure it'll come out some more, but if you can, I feel so incredibly lucky to have landed in a place and landing where the work I do, I say it's easy. It's easy because it feels very natural. Mm. It feels very natural. And that gives me a little hint that I'm on the right track for Mm. me, for me,
0: for me. Yeah. We're all trying to find that track, aren't we? <laughs> yeah,
1: and I, and I think that's what it's about, right, in, in life, is find our track and, again, hold it lightly because here I am saying how wonderful it feels and I've still got half my life to live. Mm-hmm. So be open to the fact that the track is either not 100% right or it'll change and evolve, right? But here, mm-hmm. right now, in this moment, I can say, wow, I mean, what a privilege to – and I say, and I have to say it only really landed these last few years, and maybe we'll get into that – where I could actually catch myself and go, heck, this feels so darn good at a level, at a really deep level that it, you know, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about life purpose, about mission. And I think I've had moments of genuine feeling that, and mm-hmm. it's a wonderful feeling.
0: And I also want to pick up on something you said there, cause you said you have half of your life still to live and we don't know what path we're going down. and. For me, the last couple of months as well, I, uh you know, life takes turns I never expected, and I thought just yesterday actually that I'm so glad I don't know where I'm going. In a, in a way that I don't know what what's ahead because it right now looks so different than what I thought just some years back. Wow.
1: You know, if we, if, uh, if we can cultivate, if you can cultivate that at an individual level, wow, I think that's a, it's a, it's a big deal. And uh, we talk about leadership groups, the collective, people working together in groups for the sake of something, uh, the big work for us. First, we cultivate that in ourselves. And then how do we also have that in groups? Mm-hmm. Working collectively together towards something to, to hold it lightly, to sometimes just have no idea actually where we're going to be guided by a mission and vision, but really the path we're going to take to get there. I don't know. I I, I think that's more mysterious. And that's, uh, um, yeah.
0: And exactly. And that's, I think that's, you know, talking about leadership as well, that uh, we really don't have the answers for what we need to do to lead in the future. We don't know based on what we've done before because we're all evolving and finding answers as we go. Absolutely. Either as humans or or as as groups, really.
1: Totally, and you know, I don't have all the. This is what I, you know, everything I share here is, is really just my observations and what I what I've formulated up to this point. It clearly, change is speeding up, mm. and and it really at a high level or like existential view. Wow, I, I, in my opinion, I think we, we've got some seismic shifts coming on. To hmm. just how we organize ourselves as a species, obviously, there's different uh, economies and different ways of governance. But, but generally, yeah. I think there's some massive shifts happening, and we can see it. And I think there's more going on than we can even see. And no great, and with that change, wow, the pressure that I experience personally, and I see it in all the people I work with, it creates a pressure. Because think about how we survive as a species. Survival, like we respond and adapt to a changing circumstances. And when that change mm-hmm. speeds up as it is, and our frame of reference that has brought security and stability up to this point suddenly gets whacked mm-hmm. out of sync, yes. the threat level rises. And there's a choice for us. We can either go back into fear-based sort of tr- survival mode, or we can keep, you know, other language, creatively creating and mm-hmm. adapting and, yeah, there's, a, there's a tension in there for me the, between create your circumstances or go with the flow.
0: For mm-hmm. me, I'm always dancing and, between the two. And we'll come back to that. And I, I really want to just start off, Robin, um, because now I see we get lost in, in what know. we yes. usually do when we talk. <laughs> we, we drift off in yes. interesting conversations. But for those uh, out there who do not know you, very quickly, tell us a little bit about your story and what created your passion for the work you do.
1: Yeah, thanks. Wow, so, uh, and in reflection of that, it's um, it just becomes clear, you know, as I get older. Uh, the short story, um, I, uh, I would, uh, you know, my truth is life started bumpy. I didn't have a traditional linear path. I didn't have a lot of support. I lost faith and trust in authority, which is probably not a bad thing, but for a kid growing up, that's tough which then led to a good portion of my life, maybe even the majority feeling really alone. Mm. And that feeling alone at a, at a deep level, meaning I didn't feel like anyone really understood me or cared to really understand me. And for whatever reason, I, I don't, I, I wasn't always just fitting in. So what that, what, what ended up was, uh, leading quite an interesting life of so many different paths, so much different experience, following my passions and my interests, and that took me out of business into the weird and wacky esoterics and all that, and also brought me into normal business life and uh, in operations and, and senior leadership roles. I've held an executive position. I've um, so I've done all of that and coach uh, and the the theme about being alone, of not trusting authority demanded that I developed one, um, which I certainly did a persistent and deep capacity for contemplation and self-reflection.
0: Mm.
1: It was my survival strategy because I, my because of my sort of certain experiences when I was younger, I didn't trust anyone else. So mm. I had to learn to trust myself and I, I made some good decisions. I made some decisions that were, you know, it turned out uh, maybe not as I expected. And that whole path that whole journey, bringing me to three years ago, almost three years ago, where I left an executive position, there was a conscious choice to say, so much time and energy, not no longer wanting to give to a business. Mm. But actually, my passion is... is what I spent a lifetime cultivating an awareness of how to observe one's own being in the world and all the, the joy and the light and also the darkness and the delusion and the deceit that we can put on ourselves. I've, I've mm. watched it in myself intimately. So I suppose I've just learned to navigate the human experience in my own unique way. It was almost uh, natural in a way that I would end up in a development field of coaching and leadership and, honing that now in service of others. Mm. And that's what brings me here. And if I, uh, I mean, I've got lots of passions, but it's such a joy and privilege to sit in front of people to allow them to trust me and allow me into their most intimate space Mm. and to bring greater, deeper insight as you described in the beginning, Mm. you know, I don't know. That's just incredibly purposeful for me.
0: It's beautiful to hear you share that and you describe your approach as one with soul in mind and feet on the ground what do you mean by that
1: so hey there's a real woo-woo wacky side to me
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I know, <laughs> and it's it's deep and profound. And boy, what an what an edge throughout life coming up. And and that actually is what, how my life started. Really bumpy was the biggest conflict started when I was very young, ten years old. With a with a, uh, my dad remarried and a woman, jo- uh, my stepmother uh, was um, devoutly Christian and religious and brought a fierce belief system that was quite oppressive to me. And that was when the battle started because I experienced life differently. Mm. I, and um, from, for whatever reason, from a young age, these, you know, you can read about different ideas around this, these sort of spontaneous mystical happenings, you know, experiences that defy logic and physics and stuff. And I would have series of these from when I was younger, very much through my youth, uh, still to this day in different ways. And that changed my sense. Well, it it defined my sense of reality very young.
0: Mm. How would they show up for you? Like give an example,
1: um, when you say mystical. The very earliest that I can remember is intense visions. Mm. Like imagine your consciousness completely taken over. Like the best way to describe it. The first one I can remember when I was about six was a TV screen. Like, imagine suddenly being faced with a huge TV screen in front of you and a whole scene playing out. And wow. it was like, and, and you know you're in a bit of a trance watching this, and it's seconds or 10 seconds. And then you snap out of it, and it's like, whoa, what was that? And then in that particular case, exactly what I saw just played out, then played out in front of me, which led to me getting quite badly injured. So perhaps it was a survival thing. Perhaps it was a warning. Who knows? And... Um, And that really, I remember getting stitched up by the ambulance and my head was cracked open and I was was still conscious. And and I remember sitting there and not really focused on pain or or the circumstance, but just intrigued by what happened. Wow, I Mm. saw that happening. Now, Mm. in my explorations, I've come across material and very intelligent and educated people that could easily find an explanation to dismiss that experience. as all made up in my head. Okay. Yeah. And, and of course, and I've gone and looked there because, I, you know, I think, A, because really I, I for a long time doubted myself through all this mystical journey. But also, I do believe if you want to be critical of something, you've got to look at both sides of the argument. Mm. And I'll be honest and say for even through my early 20s, I thought I was mad. And, and I dismissed a lot of my truth because it didn't fit in. No one else wanted to hear it or would, would, would recognize it. And, and that's ultimately why I had such conflict at home and left home very young, was because of these conflicts. The sense of reality was so different. Mm. And as I got older and started to trust myself more and, and the experiences continued happening in, in different shapes or forms, either I would see things or things would visit me, same sort of thing of seeing and experiencing. Um, I now accept it as part of who I am. So coming back to your question around soul and mind, feet on the ground, where I am today is through my own direct revelation and through my experience, I, th- I hold a, a deep or high perspective about our journey as a human being.
0: Mm.
1: And yet we live a very practical material existence, which often feels at odds, and maybe it is, and it's still re- it's still. the the, what we face the demands Mm -hmm. and I've gone backwards and forwards with this and where I am is in the middle which is just like how do we hold both how do when I work with people I, I meet them where they're at I can't help but not bring my perspective and bring my holding while also being deeply respectful of we have to pay our bills We have to meet these expectations around us and you can be defiantly authentic and defiantly in your integrity, which of course can make your life much harder in some ways. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, just have compassion for myself and for the others is sometimes we have to adjust Mm. and adapt and deal with the material world. And that's not such a bad thing. Mm. And don't lose sight of the bigger picture. I I believe, and again, people must have their own views, but there is a, there is, a, there is a deeper sense to what's going on. And if we can, each of us, individually cultivate our story, what mm-hmm. we think and believe and what we, what we want to hold as true, in my experience anyway, that can bring a profound sense of, of again, purpose and ultimately joy.
0: Mm. And I think you all always have this beautiful meta view of, of observations of the sort of the world, which is really also why I have the question for you when you're in organizations and when you're talking to so many leaders and humans, as you do across the world, what do you see? Like, what do you observe these days? Um, what is happening in the arenas you're in?
1: It's a great question. It really is. And of course the answer is very varied, but if I try and pick out a theme, like, look, just over the recent year, let's say I've, Hopped across continents digitally to work with one with a large company that has leadership teams in several you know continents, and I would work with these teams. And I think of that that experience, and then another global company, and I less travel, but equally, the range is this. The range is, in my in my opinion, a consciousness, a level of consciousness, either in a team which must reflect that of the organization to a degree. That's that's still in survival mode and very fear-based.
0: Mm, okay. And, How does that show up?
1: Um, um, there's terminology reactive, right? Reactive, mm. like there's an edge to it. There's um, there's a the way I see it is very intensely focused on the material, survival, the the language. The, the space allowed for the development work whatever we're doing has to have a direct immediate application on either creating more money or, or minimizing costs of course feet on the ground business and if that is a, if it is in that survival state I get it and, and and if I am showing up in a company and that's what's presenting itself with and I'm there I, 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 I ask myself how can I serve? How can I serve? So the, the training that I'm doing or the facilitation, although it might not be the highest work that I'm super passionate about, I, I, I go, but this is where this team's at. This is what they're how they're operating. They haven't given me an agenda to take to, to look to a different space. So um, sometimes the, the training or the content is very what I would call very practical, external. If you think of something mm-hmm just a, as a binary, we have inner work and outer work. Inner work, the the development of our inner, our inner world as an individual or a group. And then there's an the outer work, the external, which is our impact, our performance. What are we creating? There's always these two things at play. Of course, my bias is always to the inner work, individually and to the group. That's what really lights me up. But when I often, there's a team that any hint to the inner work is a no-no. It's a no. And that's in my opinion, is, is there's a fear there. There's a fear, there's, it's being driven by a fear. And um, so that's how that shows up. And then in contrast, another theme which inspires me hugely, and this is the spectrum, a huge global company, one of the biggest. And wow, the consciousness of its leadership team uh, has, is at a place sufficient that says, wow, we get it what's happening in our world and what needs to evolve within every human being in an organization. And we are going to create the conditions and we're going to make allowance, whether that's funding and or space in the organization for such a transformation to happen. Uh, let, let's commit to the inner work that every individual and our teams have to do. Wow, that's a very different setup. And, mm. and so the theme, what do I see? spectrum naturally of course Mm. it's like any change curve I suppose early adopters and all of that so wonderful to see companies early adopters that are pointing the way with a complete unknown don't Mm. know what where they're going to end up but accepting and trusting the emergent process that Mm. if they support individuals to do the inner work to raise their awareness raise their consciousness learn how to relate in ever more sophisticated ways that group, that collective organization will will be more conscious. And then the emergence of whatever emerges, who knows, but it should be more conscious. And hopefully Mm -hmm. that points us in the right direction.
0: And what you're speaking to there, as I hear in those conscious organizations, is that they will always speak the truth. And that's a journey journey to, to collectively Now we're talking about, you know, braving to have tough conversations, daring to own your reactions as a collective, which is why you actually also don't know where that organization is going.
1: No, which is the emergent process, which is what you described in the beginning of your own process. Mm. Mm. How scary that must be Mm. at some level for an organization, because where's the certainty in that? There is no certainty. Mm. You could say the survival of that company and everyone's um, stability in that organization depends on that emergence, which has no certainty. Mm. Of course, you and I know theoretically and through, the, through our own practice personally, that that's the way we've got to go. But to then put it in practice is a whole other thing. And mm. to see a company putting that in practice, why wow, because it's, to be honest, it's messy. <laughs> and it is messy. It's messy mm. and people talk about the mess. And that's why the truth-talking, as you say, is a journey because the bigger the organization, the bigger the groups, the bigger the complexity and how it functions, the more challenging it is. And every individual has their journey. Some are more, are are leaping forward quicker than others. Mm. But hopefully the mass, the critical mass brings people along and, and creates conditions and conditions that support people being messy while they learn. Mm. While they learn, while
0: they grow, and I think what you speak to there—the the 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 spectrum of those conscious organizations and those who are operating from a state of of fear—that needs the plan, and they need to see, okay, if we do this, it needs to happen. I see, I need to see the result or the actions right away, or or else, yes, why?
1: Yes, and then (laughs) if they don't, they pivot very quickly. And, and I see that a lot in, in maybe another word is reactive organizations or reactive groups. They pivot just one after the other, which is also destabilizing yeah. because, no, that's not working. Let's try something else. And then they pivot. Yeah. And pivoting and They can want be answers. Quote. Yeah. And too much yeah. pivoting is good, but too much. Back, it's a bit like whiplash, backwards and forwards. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because what came to me when we were talking about this is that <clears throat> my passion is to create healthy human systems. If that is a team, if that is an organization and that we need that to have sustainable growth. But, and there's so much research that sort of undermines the fact that when people are in a place that are healthy for them as humans, they thrive and that's good for business. So there shouldn't be a question, but at the same time, it just seems like such a big paradox. Mm. Um, that we want to create thriving businesses where it's good to be human. Why is it, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to create great workplaces and, and conscious leaders? Yeah,
1: well, well, I mean, well, that is the ultimate question. <laughs> if we had that answer, we, we, the consultancies would thrive. Um, <laughs> it's, if you take the context of everything we've shared so far and the messiness of evolution and growth and all of that, why is it so hard? There's a, again, soul and mind, feet on the ground, uh, inner work versus external work, inner work, inner development versus external development. These tensions are always at play and they have to be held dynamically and, and you know, over time. Um, maybe provocatively, or maybe this is obvious, but this is the way I see it. The level of consciousness that we aspire to, we're not there yet, in my opinion. I, I, as, I, a as a society,
0: or as a, as a species, yeah.
1: And yet, that doesn't mean we mustn't try. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. okay. I believe evolution has a pull to it, a pull. It's like evolution's on a track, and it's it's an emergent process, of course. And I believe it has a pull to it. And I think everything I, you, we experience in in leadership and organizational stuff. If you read some of the good books and listen to the great speakers, you can see the theme: we're being pulled to new. Like for example. Uh, hierarchy versus flat structures, mm. um, uh, different forms of governance, etc. And we're being pulled to this, but we're not there yet. And it, between now and and moving towards that and experimenting, it's it's he- hectically messy. So why is it so difficult to create this? It's those tensions. It's we're not there yet, but we've got to keep trying. Um, uh, survival. Like I remember in my leadership roles always having to wear those two hats constantly. And then eventually it's like, it's just your way of being. I hold, if I'm part of an organization, a group, and we are collectively together serving an outcome, hopefully I believe in this organization, hopefully this organization is doing good in the world, operating cleanly and with integrity. If that's in place, excellent. Then a group of people to have to choose to come together and serve that. Now I can relate personally, person to person with each individual and hold with huge respect without any hierarchy, just human to human, and everyone has their needs. But what's also true is we're all collectively signed up to serve a group effort towards Mm. something. And there are many times I've had to hold that as more important, It says the group effort, the decisions towards this, and sometimes I have to make a real difficult choice on an individual for an individual's sake, because to serve the group, whether that's right or wrong, it's like, that's a choice. As a leader, do you as mean? A, or? As a leader, as a leader. Yeah. And then as an organization as well. So, yes, we need – as an, so I'm just speaking to these tensions mm. and every situation, I, if I think of all the situations I've been involved with, everyone's different and you have to feel into it in the moment, in the time, mm-hmm. which then demands the consciousness of your leaders, hopefully, to be – I mean, if leaders – again, this speaks to hierarchy, really – but if the top leadership team has such influence over an organization, which it does, then it, just through the conversation we've had, it, it asks that that top leadership team is also working on their consciousness individually and as a team. Because if that's not happening, then I don't see how the rest of the org is going to come along.
0: Mm. And and you're also speaking to something that is happening in the in the bigger world now, which is, large transformation. Uh, in a sense, we could say that organizations or we as society experience a crisis, like there's um, there is uh, employers seek different kinds of workplaces. Um, we see that people seek purpose, they quit jobs, they want to take care of their well-being, we have an economic recession, things is changing more rapidly. And and it's hard to be a leader today. And and what happens to us as people when we experience these kinds of complex kind of crisis?
1: Hmm. Well, well, I mean, obviously, lots of things. When I think of crisis, a crisis like intense difficulty, right? Um, hardship. What happens at worst, The what I would consider the worst, is that we the fear gets so intense that we give up our authority, and we stop trusting ourselves individually. So because uh, in crisis, so threat, danger, if a real crisis, if it triggers threat and danger, what do we do automatically, we go for safety. And if that safety means giving up on our, on what we, in in a deeper sense, know to be correct or true, and we go along with something that violates that truth and that integrity of ourselves for the sake of safety, which I get it, of course, I have ample examples of that in my life, but that doesn't lead to a good place. So ultimately that's what I fear the, that's what I fear the most in crisis times and these times, and what will make meaningful changes of more and more people continue to do this work to trust themselves to you know stand up in in the face of adversity and still that you know in coaching we talk about values what's important to you can you have that courageous authenticity to make decisions aligned with your truth and what's important to you and then accept the unfolding of that path as a result of that truth that's the next step and then Mm. embrace that path not pivot backwards and forwards but just like this is my. This is an authentic path. Mm. Uh, um, this is individual, and then go up to the group level. So, in crisis times, every every challenge, every doubt is an opportunity to re uh, My 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 wife. Uh, by the way, I'm now married. I, I haven't told you that. Um,
0: oh, congratulations!
1: <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's, it's still new. For, it's still new for me to say my wife. Oh, okay. So, my wife and I were talking about this just this morning. And she had a lot of fear come up and we sat down on the couch and we're like, okay, let's face it. What are these fears? Great. What's important to us? What do we want to choose? And we then pivoted and looked towards the the hope. Mm -hmm. And we then consciously spoke through the vision of what we wanted rather than so easily get sabotaged by the fear and then choose the safer option. Mm -hmm. And we said, no, 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 come on. And then it's just that it's an opportunity to refocus. It's an op- Every fear, every doubt, every crisis is an opportunity. And I often say to people, life is a series of recoveries. Oh my gosh, you know, everything I say and everything people preach, it's all wonderful. Doesn't mean I, I can't hold that statically. I constantly fall off the wagon, I constantly get hooked by my fears. And every time there's a choice to re choose. Um and we I did that this morning with my with my wife and it's it's powerful.
0: And it's it it very resonates what you're saying if I take myself back to an organizational context as well. Um thinking of how I've been functioning in, in organizations and high pressure environments before where I did not have clarity around my values. It's very hard to be in integrity and mm. it's very hard to have an opinion. Mm. Uh you can have it as an expert in an area but as a person as a leader as a human that stands for something uh, if you don't have that value compass or know why are you here what do you actually believe to be true then you will wave Hmm. uh, in the storm exactly
1: Exactly. And if and we, will, and we will. And when we wave and, and quiver, we, we have an opportunity to recenter. Mm. And we hopefully develop the capacity to do this <clears> on our own over time. But, of course, um, that's not always easy. And that's why we have helping professions and people we trust mm. to turn to a coach, a therapist, a, a mentor to help us because, you know, we, we all need a bit of help with our perspective
0: sometimes. Mm. Which is why I come to the question also, why what is missing in the training of leaders today? Yeah,
1: well, again, if I come back, it's my bias for sure. Again, generally, it's um, what's missing in the training. The key, key theme that I think undermines good work, good training efforts. Is spaciousness, and what I mean Elaborate. by sp- spaciousness happens to be one of my core values. But it's it's when there's no space, when we're under incredible pressure, which we always are, it's really hard. It can be really challenging to integrate, to to um, allow the depth of a learning experience or a growth experience to really unfold and integrate and take hold. And in modern business, one of our challenges is, wow, people are busy. (laughs) You know, of course, every leader you talk to, every executive I I work with and coach, there's one common theme. Their diaries are chock-a-block-maxed. Their lives are busy, so, so full.
0: (sighs) Uh,
1: One of the themes recently of a lot of the teams I've been working with incredible how suddenly how more and more people are having to step out of the training business urgencies critical urgencies step out go into the business come back to the training okay we make the best of it but it's undermining the the work we're doing mm. it's and I get it this is one of the tensions so what's missing is and it's a luxury of course but the how can we slow down here's the tension how can business, find the space to change gears, slow down, allow people to develop the spaciousness, give them the support to, uh, because remember, that's also individually, an individual's responsibility to, because we get into such a habit of just filling the space. This is, I don't want to put all the responsibility on the organization, no. Individuals have to take responsibility in um, allowing space and not filling it, and knowing how to be with that space for the sake of something. This inner work, so coming to your question what's missing in the training today is is that maybe maybe more training is needed on that to allow to enable people to create more space real space to and a commitment to whatever degree they were willing to to this journey to do this inner work for the sake of something which is what we come back to vision and purpose at the individual mm-hmm. level but also at an organizational level for the sake of what mm-hmm. vision and purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. This beautiful spaciousness. Just slow thinking really, yeah. which is it gives access to something else, <laughs> which is what I've been learning again and again the last couple of years, I guess, through this work of of coaching and, and reflecting. And you know, I journal a lot, which is one of the ways I slow down my thinking and mm-hmm. and just to get that different gear mm-hmm. into that high speed environment. Yeah. Okay, we're coming to um, a close, Robin. and um, I'm conscious of your time. Um, quick question: What do you believe we're afraid to talk about in business today?
1: Well, well again, just drawing on recent experience, it would be the dark side. It's, the, <laughs> it's not to be gripped by fear, but to face fears. That sometimes to do the inner work, to do the, to speak the truth. Things get difficult. And and some and yeah, you know, not not too often do I recognize the resistance. And maybe this is a survival, maybe this is a worthy survival adaptation in certain situations. But don't, you know, like positive thinking and um, any uh, methodology or technique or habit or something that can help pull us out of a dark space into a happy space. Great, all valid. And mm. sometimes the, I call it the darkness. Sometimes we have to go and face the mess and the things we don't like. So it's the truth speaking you were talking about earlier. Mm. its um, I, I've, I've often found um, recently that that gets shut down really quickly. It's like, nope, don't want to go there
0: we're going to fix things and then we're going to move forward yeah. and then we're going to spread energy and inspiration, but we're not looking at our fears. We're not yes. looking behind that door. <laughs>
1: exactly. And also just the, you know, there's plenty out there around the integrating the shadow, so to speak, which is like in every one of us individually and then collectively there's the light, there's all the good. And then there's the stuff that's not so great.
0: Mm. And we need both.
1: And we, well, we have both. <laughs> so that's the thing. It's always there. Yes. And uh, and integration and just uh, being with that is Mm. is very much part of the journey.
0: I have one last question for you that I would love to ask, and that is what or how would you define courage?
1: Courage, courage. It's um, again pulling a thread of something I shared. To discern a truth, uh, like an uh, an inner truth, to discern an inner truth within yourself, discern that from mental chatter, from collective pressures and narratives, which want you to believe one thing or the other, but to be able to discern a truth that's maybe only yours, and then to trust that, and then Mm. to, and to act, to decide and to step forward from that place wow, well, in my life, that's the greatest act of courage that has to constantly be cultivated. And there's Mm. rarely a day or a week that I don't have an opportunity, big or small, to practice that.
0: Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. I love your definition. Oh, well, Robin, I could go on for ages talking to you, as always. (laughs) Thanks,
1: Ulrika, and you. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me along.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode with Robin. I will add his contact information and his webpage to the episode notes. So if you're interested in reading more about his work, reaching out, you can find him there. Wishing you all a beautiful week.